0: podcast has bad words.
1: (laughs) Every little thing you
0: think that you need, every little thing you think
1: that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh I bet that you'd be fine without it.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua
1: Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to
0: episode 129. Today, we're going to talk about the details of the science.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh, I brought the wrong notes. <laughs> Fijiji Gagaga. Ga
0: ga. <laughs> you remember that?
1: Yeah, but I feel bad making fun of her.
0: Oh, no. I, I think it was all an elaborate prank on her part. Maybe. 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 I think she was trying to get a lot of YouTube views, and it worked out really, really well. Really? Yeah. I don't I know thought, if we can find that. I thought she but, was like legit skits. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know, man. But but uh, I thought she, I thought it was like a, an elaborate prank. And anyway- If no, it was, it was. She did a great job. We are not going to talk about the details of the science today. Today, we're going to talk about starting anew. We're going to talk about new beginnings. We're going to talk about starting over and everything that that entails. Uh, before we jump into that uh, Ryan you you've had an interesting week you had your your sis in town yes she had a bit of a uh, it's almost like sometimes we need a, a kickstart to to have a new beginning I, it's the one thing that is interesting for me I I feel like we often put these arbitrary new beginnings. I mean, remember back in the sales world, it mm-hmm. was like, well, it's a, it's a new month and now we have these new sales goals, we're starting anew, and, and that can be okay. I mean, it can make us feel like it's a, a reset, but it is arbitrary, right? Mm-hmm. And once we realize that, it becomes a, a bit of a, a really small superpower to realize like, oh wow, like today is, uh, is April 24th, and I can just reset today i don't have to wait until may 1st or june 1st or the first of the year for the new year's resolution Mm. it's uh you know it's time for spring cleaning right now so to speak uh we can do that in our homes we can also do it in
1: our own bodies and minds as well yeah absolutely man waking up every day and looking looking at it as an opportunity to to reset you know it's funny man i have been with my blood sugar being all weird like in the mornings is where i'm the grumpiest yeah and it's funny because I use that technique of looking at it as like a new beginning. I'm like, here's my chance to take this grumpiness that I have and not project it out of my body. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I can start practicing this every day. And uh, and you know, it's it's working so so far. But usually, like as soon as I get like some coffee in me or bulletproof, especially bulletproof coffee in me, like I'm totally good to go.
0: But you're doing some carbs in the morning too, though, right? Not really. No. No, I
1: crowd. mean, if it, like if it's uh, what's been
0: the most helpful for you because you've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. For those those of you who don't know, Ryan found out that he was pre diabetic, even though he had a, a great lifestyle, but it wasn't great enough, and so you've made some changes. What's helped the most? Um, cutting out rice,
1: potatoes, uh, bread. I don't. I don't. Here's what I used to always do, man. I'd go to a restaurant, I'd order something, and it'd come with like delicious potatoes or bread or you, they bring the bread to your table before the meal. Yeah. And instead of me saying, Oh, I don't want that. Take it back. Cause that's not how I am at restaurants. Like it takes, it would have to be a really, really terrible meal for me to like send anything back. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, all right, I'll leave it on the table. But then sure enough, I'm like, Oh, I'll just have a bite. I'll just have two bites. And then the next thing, you know, I'm like, all right, tomorrow I'm going to stop eating all these carbs. Uh-huh. Today is going to be my last day. And I just had a lot of those days. Uh, I did that with ice cream. I did that with bread. Um, and and I just want to say too, like, there's nothing wrong with bread, ice cream, or uh, you know, whatever potatoes or rice. It's just it's a problem for me mm. because I'm just genetically predispositioned to not handle those those carbs well, those right. fast burning carbs well. Yeah. So for me, like, cutting that stuff out has really helped. I'm not advocating this for all of our listeners. Um, but, but that's, well, it's helped me bring my levels down, but I think I talked about this on the podcast. It, it, it has helped me see though, how sugar, sugar masks like this, um, this symptom of, of, of hanger, Mm. H A N G E R. (laughs) Like it's, it it totally, and, and alcohol is the same exact thing. So like once I've taken those fast burning carbs out and and drastically reduced my uh, intake of alcohol, Mm -hmm. like I just noticed like, Oh like there are these symptoms coming up, and I th- and it comes through, I think, with hanger. Anyway, you well, know, it's it's fascinating. I
0: think we have a diet question here. We'll get to so maybe we'll pick that back up with uh, the diet question here yeah. later in in the podcast. But I have a, a lot of uh, questions and, and comments about that as well, uh, with, with respect to my own life. But questions for you that I think will help uh, shed some light for
1: our audience as well. Which, by the way, I just got my blood checked and again, again, and uh, all right. So I was. For the third time in six the, months or yes, yeah, so, uh, the third time in six months. I got my blood checked uh, the first time it came back at, I want to say it was um, like 7.1, which is diabetic. Mm-hmm. And that's when Dr. Ryan Green was like, we need to retest you because this doesn't seem right. Because I told him what I was just telling you about. You know, here are the exceptions I make in my diet. Here's here's what I do to splurge. And he was like, "No, dude. Like, how many donuts are you eating a week?"
0: Right. Like, it's almost like he didn't
1: believe you because it wasn't consistent.
0: the The blood results you had weren't consistent with my diet. With what what you said your diet was. Now he he also didn't know about the the genetic history from your
1: father and grandfather, etc. Right. So I got retested. It came back at six dot. 1 or uh, 6.4 yeah maybe 6.4 which was basically like on the close to being diabetic and then I just got it back and now it's 5.7 and what I'm talking about is my hemoglobin a1c which is just an indicator of how much sugar you've had in your body it's an average over the last 90 days but just from changing my diet over the last month has like taken it down another point four points so 5.7 on the hemoglobin, you know, scale, mm-hmm. I am basically, if I can get down to, so I'm at 5.7. Yeah. If I can get down to 5.69, so if I can get down one thousandth, or I'm sorry, one hundredth of a percent, Yeah. then uh, I will be, I will be considered non-diabetic. Not even like, like right now I'm in that range where it's like pre-diabetic, but if I can just get it one more hundredth of a way, yeah. I will be no i will be non-diabetic and then it's back to the deep fried cupcakes that's with Ryan right Nicodemus. that's right man no it's funny man because like when i got that number back i really did want to go out and start splurging like i went out and i was like oh i'm gonna like do this i'm gonna do that and oh wow so that's and, and then all of a sudden i was well because here's the thing is like i was making exceptions like the last month month and a half when we were especially when we were on tour i i was ma- I was making these exceptions with like, alright I'm going to have a bite of this or I'm going to have a um, I'm going to have, you know, another glass of wine instead of just sticking to one glass of wine. Mm. And I was kind of doing that to see what where my blood would be. And it turns out it has actually gone down. So, yes, like all of a sudden I wanted to be like, oh, it's going down. That means I can add more to my diet. But then quickly I was able to reason with myself and be like, dude, like I've built some really good habits it's very, like, I, I don't crave sugar as much. I don't crave the bread as much. And if I start, I do have those cravings, don't get me wrong, but not nearly as often as when I was eating it on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was able to quickly kind of turn myself around and be like, all right, dude, like don't undo everything you've done <laughs> over the last, you know, over the last few months. So yeah, so,
0: so getting those test res- results back prompted a new beginning for you uh, the, the, the first time you got the test results back because you're like, oh, I, I, obviously some changes need to
1: happen here, right? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, my life depended on it.
0: Exactly, and, and I think also, and I wasn't thinking about this going into the episode, but what's fascinating is you're like I got these this good, good this good news back, and now I'm going to go. At least my mindset is, well, I'm going to go celebrate now, right? Yeah. And so a new beginning isn't necessarily a good a new good thing. beginning. Yeah. You can have a new beginning that's like uh, I can think back to my mom. You know, she she was an alcoholic, and um, she quit a bunch. She quit drinking a bunch of times, and. Honestly, when I was growing up, the things, the times that were most terrifying for me was when she was sober.
1: Mm, Cause you knew it was just like a matter of time.
0: I knew that if I, you know, I'm seven years old, I come home to the house on Warren Street, which we were just back at recently filming the the new documentary there, and it's all boarded up now. But I would I would come home, I'd open the door and i wouldn't know whether or not she was going to be on the couch passed out with you know, a beer on the floor or, you know a bottle of wine or something or if she was going to be sober that day And every single day it was like i was i was uh, uh spinning the roulette wheel and it just had you know put it, it was going to land on black or red that day and and so there were times where it was actually more terrifying because i didn't have the the i had the uncertainty of oh no what what's today going to be like whereas if she was on you know several week-long bender like at least i knew what to expect i'd come home and she'd be passed out on the couch right and um and so in a weird way like sometimes the new beginnings were her like falling off the wagon again and and starting to drink that was a unfortunate new beginning but that's not what we want to talk about today what we what we want to talk about today is how do we have the good new beginnings how do we start a new because we're in a position where we want to make some changes in our life so
1: i love that dude so the next time i have the urge to i don't know eat a cake (laughs) i can't remember the last time i've eaten a whole cake i'm sure i've done it before but the last time I get an urge to do that, like I've got to ask myself, like, do I want this to be my new beginning? Mm. Do, I, do I want to start a new beginning right now and start implementing this bad habit back into my life? I love that, dude. That's a really good way of looking at it.
0: How about we dive into some of these voicemails? I dare us. Our first one today, our first voicemail, is from Lexi in Cincinnati.
2: So my husband and kids and I are planning on moving to Seattle or Portland in the next year, and we're trying to figure out which stuff would be beneficial to keep first to sell? And I know you guys are doing a big move, so I wanted to see um, what your input is on this. We've been trying kind to of get rid of everything that we have that's uh clutter, but you know, the big pieces of furniture, what do we do?
0: All right, so, so I can't tell you what to do specifically, Lexi, but I can tell you what I would do if I were in your situation. First off, congratulations, you're, you're moving. You're moving from one great city, Cincinnati, Ohio, which Ryan and I worked in for many years, and uh, you're moving up to the Pacific Northwest, either Seattle or Portland, and two other just wonderful cities. So so congratulations. But there's going to be a total change. They're, they're completely different cities. All three of them are are different. I mean, obviously, Portland and Seattle are a little bit more similar than than Cincinnati. But they are definitely different places. So uh, first, on our website recently, I, I uh, wrote this essay. It was very, very short. And it was called Questions to Ask Before Purchasing. And so I've got six questions here that I often ask myself um, either directly or indirectly before purchasing the first question is who am I buying this for mm. or if, if Sean were correcting me he, he would say for whom am I buying this <laughs> um, because ending a sentence with a preposition is something up with which he will not put <laughs> um, but uh, he, he's very descriptive prescriptive uh, prescriptivist in, in, in that way but uh, who, who am I buying this for Is a question, and and I think when we're thinking about holding on to our stuff, we can ask that question, right? Like, who is this actually for? Who am I holding on to this for? Am I just am I just trying to impress other people with this huge DVD collection? Because (laughs) who is that really impressing? I know that's
1: what impresses me.
0: (laughs) You come over, you're like
1: big giant DVD collections. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Josh, you have a huge (laughs) DVD collection.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, who who? Who am I buying this for? Or maybe who am I keeping this for? Is this something that that the... Who am uh, I trying to impress? Yeah, who am I trying to impress? Now, if it's truly for you, then maybe we move on to the next question. Will this add value to my life? Mm. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, will it serve a purpose or bring you joy? Does it serve a purpose? Is it useful? Is it some sort of tool? Or is it a piece of artwork on the wall that you truly get joy from? Or is it in the way? The average American household has 300,000 items in it. Most of those things get in the way of the things that truly add value to our life lives. As as a minimalist, the paradox of minimalism is I get far more value from the few items I have than if I were to water them down with 300,000 other items. Uh, Mm -hmm. The third question I ask myself is, can I afford it? Now, if I have to put something on a credit card, then I can't afford it when I'm purchasing something, right? Mm -hmm. What if I don't have the space for it? Well, then I certainly can't afford it, right? Because I have to put it in a storage locker or a basement or somewhere. Uh, But can I afford it? Is a question. Now, maybe here's the question for you, Lexi, and for your family. Can we afford holding on to this? Or would selling that thing actually bring more money that we can do something else with, right? Uh, the fourth question that, that I ask myself is Is this the best use of, of this money? So before I buy something, is this the best use of this money? And, and so if I'm holding on to something, maybe that question is, is this the best use of this resource, of the time and attention necessary to take care of the thing? But also, is this uh, is this the the best item that, in fact, quite often we'll realize, like we have clothes as an easy example for me because I had way too many clothes when I first started simplifying. That's where I started. And I realized, like, oh, the... The, these aren't even the best clothes, meaning they're not my favorite clothes. They're not my favorite thing. So maybe if I reposition that question for holding on to stuff is, are these my favorite things? Right. Mm. Uh, the, the fifth thing that I ask myself is, what's the actual cost of this thing? Mm. Not just the price tag, because the price the, the price goes way beyond the price tag, right? Yeah. There's so many other costs. The, the cost of fixing the thing and taking care of the thing and putting gas in the thing and changing the thing's oil. And What about the batteries for the thing and storing the thing and worrying about the thing, thinking about the the thing protecting the thing and then when it's all said and done replacing the thing what's the actual cost it's it's way beyond that price tag and last question i asked myself and this uh came from uh someone i was dating a few years ago she uh she said every time she went into like a a cvs or a a macy's or something she walked into the store and before she bought she had an impulse to buy something she she said what would josh do in this situation so much so that she jokes she wanted to get one of those WWJD bracelets just so every time she could she she went to a store she could look at it she would say what would josh do now she didn't actually meant like well i look up to josh no she's saying uh josh had developed some mechanisms to be able to deal with the stuff in his life and really what she was saying is what would the best version of me do and so that that's that's my sixth question is would the best version of me buy this thing
1: and when you say the best version of me you're meaning the person who's asking that question to themselves yes the best
0: version of myself correct um uh, which is grammatically incorrect but that will that 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 will get the point across so what would the best version of chris or nancy or in this case lexi what would the best version of lexi and her family do Mm. would the best version hold on to this would their future self Look at them and say, why did I hold on to this? Why are you making me deal with this now? Because you know what, Lexi? Isn't that what you and your family are doing right now with yourself? You're looking back at your past self and saying, why are you making me deal with this? You're talking to your 23-year-old self, your 25-year-old self, your 30-year-old self and saying, why did you put me in this predicament? Well, now it's time to uh, to start anew.
1: Yeah, I, I think when I heard this question, I thought about what Mariah and I did. And we basically... First off, we went through our stuff, like, uh, kind of at a, at a surface level and just collected a bunch of things we could donate right off the bat. I was like, Mariah, I know there's at least, like, a box worth of donating uh, d- donation items that we can pull from all of our stuff. Like, let's just see if we can fill this box. So that's where we started. And then as we were packing, um, we were filling that box even more, and uh, I-, I know for for me, Mariah, we we kind of deal with our stuff a little bit differently. What kind of stuff
0: were you putting in that box? Oh dude? man,
1: I, you know, old USB cables, um, uh, you know, shorts I haven't worn in a while. Uh, Mariah donated some clothes, uh, a few pairs of shoes, um, just some stuff that, like, for me, I look at it like, have I used it in the last six months? Am I going to use it in the next six months? Um, and and that's that's my rule. Mariah, I think. Uh, it, it, she, she goes by a little bit different of a rule. Maybe it's like one year for her. I, I haven't really asked her what her rule is. Yeah. Um, but, but I know that she has her own way of kind of, uh, letting go of stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, aut- automatically I'm like, oh, this is, this is a great opportunity for Lexi to have a packing party. And it truly is, especially, um, if your family's on board with this and they want to support you, like it can actually be a really fun thing. Just, just kind of packing everything up and pulling stuff out as you need it. And then uh, you said you're going to move in the next year. So maybe you do that packing party, I don't know, 60 days before you move and figure out what you're actually using and then decide what you want to do with the rest. Right. I'll tell you another thing Mariah and I did, which I wish we didn't, is we just brought all of our furniture with us. So uh, the the way that Mariah and I got our apartment here in Los Angeles is Josh uh, was so kind to come out here and scout some places for us um, and he would send me some emails and, and, uh, Josh has really good taste in, in places and, in, in dwelling units. So, uh, I totally trusted his, his, uh, his judgment. And we do have an awesome place, but you know, once we picked it out, we were like, oh, okay, great. looks like two couches can fit there, but we really didn't like, I didn't have you measure the room. I didn't look at the floor plan Yeah. and we brought both couches in. I was like, this is stupid. Like this, this doesn't work. It doesn't mm-hmm. fit. And it was really clunky. And long story short, I ended up getting rid of of uh, one of the couches uh just selling on craigslist for 100 to 200 bucks so i think that's a good point
0: so so planning the move uh because you were deliberate about about the move for sure but Mm -hmm. being more deliberate about the space in which you're getting ready to occupy that's another great question that wasn't on my my list of, of six questions here but like well maybe it's sort of there right like like um Uh, Can
1: you afford it? I mean, can can you afford the
0: space for your stuff? And you don't have the space here. And so instead, can you afford the – it becomes cluttered accidentally, right? The things that worked in one house may not work in another house. I I think back to our documentary and The Architect Frank when he said, I I don't uh, ask people what – if they want a living room or dining room or whatever. I ask people how they live their lives and try to build a house around their lives. Too often, I think, what we try to do is try to cram an old life. We try to cram our past self into Mm. our, into our future homes and that becomes a problem.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I would, I would encourage you, Lexi, to just really um, don't make a decision on what you're going to do with your stuff until you're, you have your place picked out in Portland or in Seattle. And then at that point, yeah, use, use discernment to see what you will need and what you won't need. Here's the other thing too, is going back to that question of, can you afford it? Can you afford to buy a new couch? Or can you afford to buy a new dining room table? Whatever these big items that you're looking at, um, if it's within your budget to purchase a new one when you get to the city, uh, and you donate the old one or sell the old one, you know that's 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 okay. Um, Mariah and I, we didn't really have it in our budget to buy a new couch, so I cr- tried to cram the second couch into our apartment, and it didn't work. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, it's going to be perspectival on your part, Lexi, and with your family on what does your family need? What does it really like to do? Like Mariah and I, we really love to have game nights. Having two couches, it was awesome to have two couches for game nights. You know what? We had to. We're gonna have to find out a different solution, and we have found out a different solution for game nights. We have uh, stools that we can sit on. We've got. Uh, Just some other arrangements in our living room that totally accommodate for our lifestyle. Yeah. So you can still live the same lifestyle when you move to Portland, when you move to Seattle. But yeah, you definitely... uh, Well, not definitely, but but you might not need all the same items that you have in your life right now to continue living the same type of life you want to live.
0: I can tell you with the the move recently, Ryan, and and I knew this intellectually, but really was able to understand it emotionally or viscerally with this last move moving to los angeles because we've been minimalist for nearly a decade now i mean uh, i kind of started this whole thing back um, on my own journey back in 2009 and it's 2018 now yeah and and so it's approaching a decade at this point and we've learned a lot of lessons along the way but sometimes we have to relearn some lessons or sometimes uh they they've they've just become part of our everyday lives. So we sort of forget the lesson that we learned, even though it's been implemented into our lives. And, and so I realized that the move is the time that you were truly, it's the one time you're forced to confront all of your stuff. Mm -hmm. So if someone else is listening to this, The only other way to do that is like to pretend you're moving like Ryan did with his packing party back in the day where you boxed up everything, pretended you were moving even though you weren't because you literally have to deal with everything because you're not going to be in that old space anymore. You can't just leave your stuff behind and say, peace, I'm out. Someone else can deal with this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you can if you're a, a bad person, but uh, <laughs> but you're not. You're a good person, Lexi, and so you you want to figure out what am I going to do with the stuff. A few rules that you know well, if you're a longtime listener of our podcast. The first one is the ninety ninety rule. Now we use this in my household all the time. Used it the other day on a a uh, like a pot or pan uh, that was under our stove, and um, we've used it on a few other things too. Where I'm like, nope, haven't used this in the last ninety days but I might use it in the next 90 days let's see Mm -hmm. and sometimes we do sometimes we don't and we have a donation bag and we just put it in the donation bag near the door and then once a month ella we make ella drop off the stuff and she donates and we we obviously take her down there i don't want her walking through (laughs) hollywood uh west hollywood trying to donate some stuff at the goodwill right um attach a trailer to her like tricycle (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's right she doesn't have a tricycle anymore she's got a bike man oh that's right she's got a two-wheeler that's right just put her put all the stuff in her backpack make her ride down uh la cienega or something <laughs> um, but no, uh, so ninety ninety rule is, is important for me and for my family. Have we used this in the last 90 days? Or are we going to use this in the next 90 days? And if not, we give ourselves permission to let go. Uh, I know I, I often say, well, I'm sure there are exceptions to that rule. I generally don't have an exception to that rule myself. I'm sure if that rule doesn't work for you, then you figure out the time frame that does work for you. Uh, also, the just-in-case rule. Man, uh, I cleaned out my junk drawer the other day, and it was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I hold on to some stuff in here just in case. I was holding on for just for when, mm-hmm. but it b- became apparent to me like, nope, not going to use that. Not going to use that. My junk drawer is once again pristine, and <laughs> I, I I feel a sense You're just of like calm. The, the most
1: organized junk drawer I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, <it's laughs> you me. actually have a junk drawer. <laughs> right, <laughs> just an empty
0: drawer. Right, it's a metaphor. No, I, I actually I embrace the junk drawer. And in, in our home, we do have one junk drawer, and I I embrace having that that. Junk drawer there, but I also have to catch myself and say, "Uh oh!" Like I was keeping some things here just in case. So, I the the rule is you can replace anything you're holding on to just in case for less than twenty dollars and less than twenty minutes from wherever you are. Doesn't just work in Los Angeles. That worked for us way out in the middle of nowhere, Montana, when we were living in that cabin on the side of a mountain. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know what you it'll probably work for you as well. The cool news with that rule is you don't ever end up using it. Like we've used it five times between the two of us in the last six or seven years, I think. And so uh, those two rules really helped me out. Uh, Another thing that I would do uh, different going forward, I would donate all my cleaning supplies if I'm moving to a new city. (laughs) That seemed like half the stuff I packed up. Now, granted, I'm crazy OCD and Ryan's always like, just mess with me. Like he'll text me because I have in the calendar, like clean the house, right? Like I put it on my calendar and I have a shared calendar with Ryan, so Ryan like text. He'll text me like, "Enjoy cleaning your house," and I think he means it literally because he knows <laughs> that I. It's like cathartic for me to like, scrub the toilets or something. Actually, scrubbing the toilets, I don't enjoy, but I like ironing and and doing the floors or what. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, like, w- I wish
1: I loved doing that stuff. I, I love it when it's done. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think I love it. I
0: enjoy the process. I, I, you, what you're saying is you wish you enjoyed it. i also like listen to podcasts a lot so it's a t- it's an excuse for me to like put on a podcast i'm listening to like sam harris or uh joe rogan or, or someone like that and i can just put on a podcast and like and and just you know, get in the zone and you know start doing laundry or whatever yeah. but uh the one thing i had noticed when i was unpacking i had boxes and boxes and boxes of cleaning supplies wow
1: dude that's that's wild and
0: if I move it to a new city, I can repurchase those things. But here's the thing: like I had a lot of cleaning supplies. I'm like, oh, uh-oh, I wasn't using that in the last 90 days, and for some reason, I wasn't looking at my cleaning supplies as 90/90 rule things. Mm-hmm. And I had a bunch of cleaning supplies I wasn't using, even though like I could have used them. And and it allowed me to bring things back in when I moved into this new place a lot more deliberately. And I have far fewer cleaning supplies, even though I clean the same amount now, right? Yeah, yeah. And it just took up way too many boxes of stuff. Um, also, with this uh, this new home that, that Bex and I and Ella and, and I, all three of us are in now, um, we It took a long time to do this, and it was a bit frustrating, but I learned from that frustration, we slowly repopulated this new home. It wasn't about, all right, how can we quickly fill this space to make it feel like home? Mm-hmm. I do want it to feel like home, and it's important to me to have, especially the last few years, we've traveled so much, and like because of my health difficulties, we've bounced around from different houses that I was chemically sensitive to, and man, that was so difficult for me. And you you know this, I, I just felt like, I felt a sense of despair because I felt like I didn't have a place to call home. Mm. And so yeah, getting out here, my knee jerk reaction was how can I hurry up and make this place feel like home? Mm and the, the reaction remember in and everything that remains the scene well in the scene in our documentary too like everything is crumbling down around me the, mm-hmm. the line is uh but even while rome is burning there's somehow time for shopping at ikea and i didn't want to repeat that right mm-hmm. but even though rome wasn't burning this time around life was good and i'm feeling really good right now I'm, I'm feeling better than i have in the last five years probably right now but it's it's taken this last month to really this, it's this new beginning it's it, it really is a new beginning for me and, and ryan i i didn't want to just take that ikea moment and say all right let's go out and hurry up get everything and fill this place up so i am complete right i'm not complete because my house is furnished or whatever and so we very slowly you can go back and listen to our our decorations episode it was episode 119 and uh ryan and i talked about like sort of Putting stuff into our homes very intentionally, decorating with intention, whether that's art or th- other things that that bring us joy. But I slowly populated my new home with the new me. And so, Lexi, I think what she
1: can do is, what does the new you look like? Yeah. It probably doesn't look like the old you. Yeah. What would happen if you sold everything? Yeah. And you just brought a suitcase each. How would you feel? How would you start all over again with your stuff? yes and yeah that's that's if it's something she she and her family can afford to do like that's that is a great approach yeah especially because moving everything across the country it costs a lot of money i forget how much i paid but it's like i want to say it's like it's going to be from two to five thousand bucks and imagine if you have a family of four or five though yeah and i moved from talking i moved from missoula montana i think it was like like it was like two thousand bucks basically to get all my stuff moved Uh uh-huh um from cincinnati it's going to be a lot more than that i know podcast sean was looking into it and it wasn't cheap it was not cheap
0: yeah and and so so thinking about that with all of these additional costs and to hold on to stuff that you otherwise want to get rid of anyway so get rid of it now so you don't have to move it across the country and i'll tell you this i for the first time in a long time i finally feel at home i've realized that this this past week man like uh, and part of that does, and, and so I'm not against stuff. It's about having the right stuff, the appropriate yeah. stuff, H- having the things close to me, but not having the attachment to those things either. Mm. I'm willing to get rid of any of the stuff in my house if it stops serving a purpose or bringing me joy. I'm gonna continue question it. But I do want a base level of comfort. I do believe that too much comfort is a bad thing, but too much discomfort puts us into a tailspin of despair. Mm. So we want to find the balance. What's the base level of comfort? So I have that right now. Um, And by the way, I'm going to do, I I just figured this out yesterday. I'm going to do a house tour of my house on our Instagram account. We're at The Minimalists. I'm going to do this on um, May 11th, but it's at 9 a.m. Pacific time. But it is only going to be up there for 24 hours. That's the beautiful thing about the ephemerality of The Instagram Live is it posts for 24 hours. I'll just do a video, answer some questions, but then it will be gone. So if you want to check that out, you can do so on May 11th. Uh, That is at 9 a.m. Pacific Time Live. If you want to ask me some questions when I'm doing this, we're at The Minimalists on Instagram. And uh, the last thing that I have to say here is one thing that I did that helped me out a lot. I didn't like LA the first time I came out here. Yeah. I didn't like it the second time I came out here. I didn't like it the third time I came out here. But we were here for different media engagements or different things. Mm -hmm. But... The problem wasn't LA, it was me, and I hadn't found the right pockets to explore yet and to that would feel like home, right? Yeah. And and because Los Angeles specifically, but any city you're going to, it's about finding the right pockets. Los Angeles is basic isn't one big city, it's eighty-eight smaller cities, mm-hmm. right? So whether you're in Venice or West Hollywood or Boyle Heights or Pasadena you're gonna have a different feel. And so what I'm gonna encourage you to do before you move to a place, why not go out there for a week or two weeks and spend some time with your family there? What neighborhoods resonate with you? Because if you're moving to Dayton, Ohio, you're gonna have a different experience if you're in Piqua than if you are in Middletown or if you're in the Oregon District downtown Dayton or if you're in St. Ann's Hill, or if you're in Wright Dunbar, like you have these neighborhoods in Dayton that are gonna feel different. Mm -hmm. And what is appropriate for someone else may not be appropriate for you. And so figuring out, exploring it, maybe spending some time there and thinking about it, because starting anew also means you want to start from the best position possible. Mm-hmm. I think about runners when they're when they're when they're running a race, you know, in the Olympics or, or whatever. Like, they don't just start off willy-nilly. Like, oh, I'm just standing here. No, they're in the the, the position that that puts them in the best position to win the race, right? Absolutely. And, and so that's how Lexi, you and your family want want to start off here. I'd like to give you a couple things here, here, Lexi. One is that, that six questions uh, that I mentioned, it's on our website. If you go to theminimalists.com slash Q, you can find that. We'll also put a link to that in the show notes. But Sean, if you could reach out to Lexi and send her a copy of our book, Everything That Remains, uh, the audiobook version, if she likes our podcast, she'll definitely like the audiobook version of it. Or uh, if you want the book book version or the ebook version, we'd be happy to send you one of those as well. A couple things covered in that book. Uh, Ryan, uh, when I moved to a smaller apartment, I was downsizing. I wrote about that experience in in that book in the eighth chapter. And then in the last chapter of the book, we wrote wrote about our experience of moving out to Montana and then eventually into Missoula in a totally different uh, circumstance and making that a home as well. Talk
1: about a new beginning. Yes, yeah. we've had so many new beginnings <clears throat> over crazy. the last
0: last few years,
1: and a new beginning isn't doesn't mean it's the last new beginning. It's just one of many new beginnings. Yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, I get that's why we moved out to Montana It was to kind of have a new beginning. But I didn't realize how moving to a different city, like how much of a new beginning it was, because like I literally got to rebuild my my friends, uh, uh, the, the hobbies that I had, the interests that I had. So I think Lexi and her family are going to have an awesome new beginning out in the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, yeah, good luck, Lexi. Congrats on the move. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, so maybe you
0: know, a final question to ask yourself here, Lexi, is, what does my future self look like? What do I want my future self to look Mm -hmm. like? And Ryan, you did a whole lot of that exploration when we moved out to Missoula. So we moved to that cabin in 2012 for four months. But then in January 2013, we moved out to Missoula. And you were in plays, you were with all these new friends, you you found new establishments and new habits and new routines. And I became a different life than, than your life in Dayton. Even though you're the same person, yeah. you became a better version of yourself. Yeah. And, and that was through the experience of the new place.
1: Yeah, it was. Well, you, we, I was forced into becoming a new person. Mm. And, you know, I could have made the same friends and had the same habits. Uh, and I was doing really well in Dayton. I mean, you know, changing those habits. But when you move to a new place like you, I have to seek out the bad habits. <laughs> so, right. so, uh, for me, it was like, it put me in a situation where like, I had to seek out new friends yeah. and really be deliberate with the kinds of people I wanted to hang out with. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it was great. I'm really, I'm really glad we did it. Am, am I
0: going to seek out good habits or bad habits yeah. is, is, uh, is another good question for sure. Yeah. All right, Lexi, I hope you enjoyed that copy of everything that remains and, uh, those six questions, maybe print it out like I have it printed out here and Put it up on your fridge. Ask those, those questions repeatedly. I think you'll find a lot of value in that. All right. Our next question is from Mary in Chicago.
2: I have a question for Joshua. I had, you had mentioned that you lost 80 pounds. And I was wondering if that weight loss had stemmed from an attempt to apply minimalism to different aspects of your life like dieting. I'd like to just hear more about that weight loss journey from beginning to end. What triggered the weight loss? How much did your lifestyle change? How do you maintain your diet? Um, I'm asking because I've applied minimalism to my once cluttered condo, and now I'd like to apply it to different aspects of my life, like dieting, and I was wondering if that had anything to do with minimalism.
0: So let's, let's maybe not call it minimalism, to start, Mary, let's just call it intentionalism for a moment, mm-hmm. right? Because that word minimalism often uh, connotes the the thought of just getting rid of possessions, but in our first book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, we really broke it down beyond the stuff. So Living the meaningful life was like, what do you do after the stuff? And I think the beginning of a new beginning for me was regaining control of my health. That in fact in the book, that's the first of the five values that we talk about. So let's not talk about dieting either. Let's talk about health. That's so much more important and 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 long lasting and and ever reaching. And what I mean by that is it reaches out when our health is improved, then it reaches into the the corners of our other li- uh, uh, the other corners of our life the, my creativity improves my friendships improve and I think the opposite is also true when my health declines which I experienced a few years ago it hurt every other area of my life right absolutely and so Ryan you, you were at the the at the top of, of the show you were talking about the the blood tests and and um, some of the changes that you made, and I can mm. talk about. Uh, yeah, I lost eighty pounds at one point, and uh, well, and have kept off the weight, obviously. But but I haven't been focused on keeping off the weight. I've been more focused on living more deliberately uh, and and focusing on my health, not keeping off the weight. Keeping off the weight is a byproduct.
1: Of yeah, it. no, it's exactly what what I've been focusing on. So, um, yeah, I used to be focused on how much I weighed. It's like so much. That's like the wrong. What? That's like the worst thing to focus on.
0: Right, because you can cut off your leg and lose
1: seventy pounds. Right, it's really easy to lose weight if you look at it that way. Um, no, I had to. I had to radically simplify my diet. I mean, I we I already did that with um, cutting out a lot of sweets. Like 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 we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Like for all intents and purposes, like I had a great diet. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't great enough or maybe it was a good diet it, was, but it, good, but it, it, wasn't it was good but it wasn't great yeah and uh yeah to to make it great i had to simplify it so i just cut out actually it's not about what i cut out what i bring into my body now it's meat and vegetables mm. like that's pretty much it yes any any uh any processed stuff any sugars like i try to keep that stuff out of my body as much as possible um i am not perfect. I totally had a bite of chocolate cake three days ago. Mm, um, but fraud. <laughs> I know, right. But, but the thing is, is that, uh, uh, yes, like it, it was just one bite. So I've also dra- uh, drastically simplified the amount of, 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 uh, garbage <laughs> that I put into my body. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, yeah, I, I have, I have really, really, um, <sighs> I want to I want to sit here and be like, "Oh man, I've lost 20 pounds and like I'm looking good and I'm feeling good." Yeah, you you but look better than you have in years, man. But you, it's really, your
0: face but is thinner, you look you look more energetic. You 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 your our, our interactions, I feel, are are more meaningful because of it. You you feel like a new version of yourself.
1: I absolutely do. But it is it's not the weight though. It is it is the feeling I have. Yes. That is what that is what i really appreciate about it because honestly like if i gained 20 pounds and felt like this i'd be okay with it right right Although, I, I don't know if i would be okay with gaining 20 but you know what i'm saying well it depends <laughs> on what the 20 pounds is too, right. right i'd have like, to look uh, at yeah i'd have to look at some oh yeah that's true i mean if yeah.
0: you were entering some bodybuilding competition or something i mean you're getting right. a little no actually you're not getting old for that bodybuilders tend to yeah they they go well into their 40s and 50s yeah um
1: that's uh, not what I'm trying to do. But No. No. But, but yes, like but by, by simplifying your diet and and it's not really it's not really about like putting in these strict rules as much as it is like just following a consistent great meal plan or 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 a, a nutritional plan. Um I say nutritional plan because that's exactly what was instituted after the blood test. It was yeah. like, "All right, here are the things you need to eat. Here are the things you need to avoid. Now, right. it's easier for me to fast than it is to diet. So, like, I'm allowed to eat quinoa. I'm allowed to eat, um, you know, brown rice, like some slow burning carbs. Mm-hmm. But I tend to stay away from those things because it just makes me want more simple carbs. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, I, 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 uh, I it's, it, <clears throat> I was very, very upset when I learned about everything I had to cut out.
0: Right. Well, and the reason being is early on we're having this conversation. You said um, I I looked at it and had the delicious bread or the delicious potatoes on the plate, and the way I reframed that because I used to think the same exact way is I reframed it to like, oh, I can't have the harmful bread anymore, right? Uh, As opposed to because saying delicious means well, I'm giving up something. Well, I had I really did do a good
1: job of like having these, these. It's not even a cheat day; it'd be like a cheat meal. Like I never would have a whole day where I'm like, all right, today I'm just going to like totally splurge and not count the calories. It would just be, you know, I felt like I was doing a, 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 a good job with moderation when it came to unhealthy foods. Yeah. And, because, dude, I, I'm not going to recommend that any unless you're allergic to dairy, I would never recommend someone go their entire life without ice cream. Right. Like so people should have ice cream and live a little bit every once in a while. Right. And I thought I had a really good balance of that. And learning that even that balance that I had because of my genetic predisposition, um, like it, I was really angry. Like, man, I can't even have like a little bit. And and I guess I could. Like, it it would have to be far far less. But um, I feel so much better now following this this simplified diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I really don't want to go back to having those those cheat meals. Now I'll have cheap bites. <laughs> it's like when a cop has to t- you know they they taste. The drug only in movies, but yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> here, let me
1: try this me, anthrax ju- real quick. Yeah, let me see if this is cocaine. Uh oh, nope.
0: <laughs> uh Oh, that was Molly.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah. my god. So, um, I can tell you there were a few things that, that I did. I think it was in in the same vein as you, as Ryan here, but I. Uh I put I had two separate categories. I knew I there were some things I needed to eliminate altogether. Mm-hmm. Um soy I'm allergic to, so I can't have soy. If soy is in something, it makes me break out really bad and it just it has negative. It's well, easy effects to give up when you are yeah. allergic to it. Right. Uh um and then I have sensitivities to dairy. I'm not allergic, but I have sensitivities to dairy and gluten. Mm. Pretty bad sensitivities. Milk makes me break out like crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So does cheese, but it messes with my stomach a little bit. So easy for you to stay away from ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, dairy ice cream, yeah. There are plenty of other sugary... Treats that I can have, even at the, if I go down the Salt and Stroll or whatever, they have. They have like some
1: of the best vegan ice cream. They do. Yeah.
0: Um, But even then, so I'll get to the the next. So those are the things that I've eliminated, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Gluten, soy, soy, and dairy. Yeah. There could be trace amounts in something that I don't know about, and it will still just totally mess with my my stomach or my skin i notice i'm like oh like they didn't tell me there was soy in that or Mm -hmm. it wasn't on the label or whatever Mm -hmm. and then speaking of labels here's an there's another category for me there are things that i avoid it it means i go out of my way to make sure i don't bring these in if they do come in uh it's not going to be the end of the world but i i avoid them at pretty much all costs so uh processed foods sugar Anything with a label on it, like that, that to me is like uh, that, that, that falls under the, the processed foods or the packaged foods most of the time. Now, of course, you can buy a, a pack of all, raw almonds and it will have a label on it as well. So it, it's just a good guideline for me, like, oh, if this has a label, it's probably something I need to avoid. Doesn't mean I can't ever take it in my life, but I should avoid this unless I really need to eat something.
1: So are these rules, are these the rules that you implemented when you lost? the the weight yes so um uh tell her t- talk to the audience about i guess uh how long did it take you to lose the weight were you focused on the weight yeah um, no i didn't I, in fact i
0: didn't know i lost weight for a long time because when you have to live with it every day so i've, I've lost weight twice in my life um once when i was a teenager you remember this so oh, yeah. i was literally the fattest kid in our school when you and i met uh, in fifth grade I was the fattest kid in our school and then I just got fatter after we met because you were uh, a bad influence on me and I was a bad influence on you <laughs> we were just shoving double cheeseburgers in each other's faces all yeah. the time and, and, uh, but in high school I, w- I r- realized uh, that I was attracted to the opposite sex and I should probably lose some weight if I wanted them to be attracted to me as well <laughs> and so I did a very unhealthy way in high school I stopped eating
1: Mm, um, I didn't realize that. I
0: wouldn't say I was anorexic per se. I ate one meal a day, but I oh wow, dude. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it that. It was, but it was junk food basically because I didn't know what. Like I'm gonna have was. one
1: what double whopper. Yeah, yeah, one double double whopper meal.
0: Yeah, I was radical calorie restriction, but I wasn't getting the nutrients I needed, so mm. I was I was sick all the time. I had colds. My immune system sucked, but I lost a bunch of weight, and I knew that I'd lost a bunch of weight because I remember. Uh, one year especially after the summer that i lost a bunch of weight um i came into school the following year and someone saw me in the bathroom and said hey do you know josh milburn (laughs) 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 i'm like yep yeah yeah and he's like you you look like he has a skinny brother or something and i'm like yeah okay Uh, like i had lost that much weight wow Um, i
1: remember dude when i so we moved back to Lebanon mm-hmm. uh, my freshman year. It was like, I don't know, a month or so before high school started. Yeah. And you came to my door and you were knocking on my door and I was like, who is it? I didn't even recognize you. Yeah. Because I had, I hadn't seen you for, uh, cause I like had lived in a different city for uh, one school year Yeah, and it had been at least like six, seven months since I had seen you. Uh-huh. In fact, I cause I saw you once when I was living in that different school district. Right. And you were just as big. Yeah. So, like, I didn't, you know, never even occurred to me that you were losing weight, but I remember you showing up, and I was like, who the heck is this kid standing outside my door?
0: Yeah, I lost most of that weight from the end of, like, after eighth grade, it finished. So, beginning of, uh, right before freshman year start, and then throughout freshman year of high school. But then, of course, I left, and I just gained it all back. Yeah. And by my uh, early to mid-20s, I was 240 pounds again, and I... I mean I, I, but I felt like crap too and I didn't really understand what what was healthful and what was what what was making me feel ill and it took a lot of uh, sort of process of elimination and they have these things called elimination diets now I sort of created my my own and so I learned that I was allergic to soy and to gluten and to dairy, so I got rid of that. But then also the sugars and the packaged or processed foods, I, I eliminated that, and, or I'm sorry, I avoided those things at at uh, whenever I could. I mean. To me, and then also uh, the simple carbs. I avoid simple carbs as well. Uh, the exception that I make is for white rice. Although I've been avoiding white rice recently because I had some higher arsenic levels when I did the heavy metals testing last year, and so um, white
1: rice has a little arsenic in it. Yeah, quite a bit of arsenic. Yeah, it's in, it, so like the arsenic in rice, uh-huh. the mercury in fish. Yes, this is all. This is all caused by. Our damage that we've done to the environment. I know the mercury. I know the mercury is. I
0: don't know about the arsenic. I assume maybe it is. Yeah. Um, but we we plant where well, most of the rice is planted throughout the world are in uh, is in soil that is filled with arsenic, and mm-hmm. thus it it leaches in or or grows into the
1: the rice when it grows. I thought it would just like we would just build up a tolerance to arsenic from eating such a little bit of arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it kills you. Also in the movies, <laughs> Ryan's
0: over there like. <laughs> Cop Ryan is like trying Molly and taking a <laughs> little bit of arsenic, um, He's building up tolerances. Is, is this cocaine? Nope, it's arsenic. Um, no, and and so uh, I, I realized I, I had a little bit too much of that. So I avoid simple carbs, and um, I feel better as a result. But here's the thing: it's not about what I avoid. It's more now, and you, Ryan, you already alluded to this. It's about what do I put into my body. Mm-hmm. I eat mostly plant based diet fresh vegetables um but then also meat as well and i know for me and it's interesting we're gonna have rich roll on the podcast next week uh who's a vegan he's able to live a vegan lifestyle that works really well for him my my diet is mostly plant-based but i started eating meat as medicine two years ago and my health has radically improved as a result uh and very few other things in my diet have actually nothing else in my diet has changed um Uh, Other than the removal of of fish Because Mm -hmm. of my mercury stuff But um, I eat meat instead of fish now I was eating fish before And so uh, bringing bringing meat into my my diet And treating it as medicine uh, uh, Grass-fed, non-factory farm meat Is is an important way for me To not just get the protein But get the, the nutrients that I need To make me feel like the best version of myself
1: How did you, or when did you wake up And you're like, oh shit, I lost
0: 80 pounds uh, I, I didn't know until, I, I think it was, because you didn't really, maybe you said something to me. I don't remember you saying something to me, but literally that kid in the bathroom. Oh. Uh, yeah. His name was, I think his name was Sean. Uh, we were at uh, Lebanon High School in Lebanon, oh, okay. Ohio. And uh, he he said, and I'm like, I knew I had lost some weight. But
1: you didn't realize you were unrecognizable.
0: I, I didn't yet. realize how much weight I had lost because I, and for years I still struggle with it. I was still the fat kid in the mirror uh for I'm not anymore but I I was for many years mm. And I think that's par- partially why I gained it back, and didn't realize I was gaining it back. Yeah. Um, because it I happened so slowly. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you don't. You, you're with yourself every day, so you don't realize when you're losing or when you're gaining necessarily. Right. But if if you have the habits set up, then you're setting yourself up for success. So, a, f- a few things to talk about about here when we talk about the five values that, that are in minimalism, live a meaningful life, Ryan. It's really about turning those those values into habits. So health, relationships, passion or creativity, and then growth and contribution those are the the five and it's about turning those into to good habits so sean here's some something pithy for you i know we're not looking for minimal maxims yet but the good life is birthed from great habits and uh, i know uh, a couple weeks ago ryan we were talking about habits versus routines and, and for me in my own life, the, the way I define these, these two things is I used to have a bunch of routines like, that were decent routines that aided my life. But routines are shoulds. Habits happen because they're musts. Mm. So a routine in my life could easily get disrupted by a glowing screen, or by another emergency, I put that in quotes, that weren't real <laughs> emergencies, right? Yeah. Putting a fire out, so to speak, because emer- new emergencies are always around the corner. But I've developed some habits in my life now that that won't be interrupted by these so-called emergencies because I won't let them, they're musts, they must happen. In a way, my habits are my daily emergencies. Mm. It's an emergency, I must do this. So, so a few things that, that I've done recently uh, especially since we're getting back into a routine of daily life outside of touring, and I feel better than I have in a long time because of it. I feel like my creativity is is rocketing, is exploding. But but also, I'm taking my old habits and making them new habits. So talk about new beginnings here, Ryan. Some of my old habits. So every morning, I, I like to write and read and exercise, right? Well, I've turned them into to new hab uh, new habits in the way that. I de- I determined that like let's take that reading and move it to nighttime right before mm-hmm. bed. That'll allow me to read more fiction. It's better to read fiction at night because it puts you in a more dreamlike state, and and the 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 the, the, the reading of fiction allows you to it aids REM sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And so I move most of my reading to nighttime now, the hour before bed, mm-hmm. and I then just focus first thing in the morning on writing for at least. Two hours, right? Mm-hmm. Did that this morning. You know, Bex was still in bed and I got up at, at around 5.50 and, and wrote and then uh, by the time she was awake, it was two hours later and like we, we had our morning together before uh, a quick morning before we, we, uh, before she dropped me off here to record this podcast. Um, so writing, I've made that new, even though it's an old habit. And then I exercised as well. This morning I did, I did my, my stretch it my, my physical therapy, but also my 18 minute exercise routine, which we could put a link to that in the show notes as well, Sean. So I exercise for eight minimum 18 minutes a day. If I work, if I exercise more than that, great. Like we're going to go to Runyon Canyon later today, more exercise. It's a bonus. But I've already built in that habit. I've made it my morning emergency, right? Yeah, but then I also have some new habits that I'm trying out, and not all of these will stick, right? They might, they might not. Uh, one and and some of these, the, they might seem like big habits, like the writing, writing for two hours. That's a big commitment. Mm-hmm. Exercising, well, 18 minutes. Everyone has 18 minutes. Come on, right? Sure. But some new habits for me are just. 30 seconds. One is every morning I get the first thing I'm doing right now is I, I have a full glass of water with a bunch of Himalayan sea salt in it. Uh, I was reading uh, Aubrey Marcus's new book called "Own the Day, Own Your Life," mm-hmm. and he talks about doing that first thing in the morning because it helps rehydrate you. Especially the Himalayan sea salt um, helps helps rehydrate more than just taking in the water. So, a huge glass of water with a bunch, and it's very salty. Like like three grams of salt if you can if you can tolerate it. Mm. That's a lot of salt, right? Think about yeah. three grams of salt, um, but. I feel hydrated. I feel more awake when I do that. Right. Uh, he also recommends light first thing in the morning and um, and uh, movement first thing in the morning. Light first thing in the morning. Yeah, like uh, go out and see the sun for a few oh, okay. minutes. Right. Yeah. Reset your circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Or I have I have this little device. That's called the human charger because I often get up before the sun comes up, so I can use the human charger to expose me to light as well. It, it looks like an iPod; it goes right in your ears, mm-hmm. and then and, and then you. I mean, you've used it while we're on tour. Yeah, right? it's great. Gives you a little energy boost. It resets your circadian rhythm as well. It also helps out with jet lag. Um, but uh, the other thing that I do is I've been trying out naps. But I also uh, well, I've been sometimes it's really hard for me to nap, mm-hmm. so I I've been trying meditation naps. Remember in in, uh, Everything That Remains, we talked about Colin Wright. He has that 20 minutes of awesome. Yeah. 20 minutes of awesome for him is like just sitting down and doing nothing is sort of his form of meditation. Mm -hmm. Just letting the mind wander for 20 minutes. Well, for me, it's a combination of that and meditating, I'm sorry, and napping. So it's hard for me to nap. So even if I can't nap, uh, this is another thing I got from Aubrey Marcus recently. Um, you just like put your eye mask on and... I put my eye mask on. I put in the Brain FM, which mm. we've talked about on previous podcasts. Yeah. It's, a, it's an app that um, uh, syncs with your brain waves. It, it, it puts music that is... that is. You can have... There's several, several different settings. Focus, energized. One is for napping, right? Right. So I put it on nap, and there's another one that's like for sleep. So you put your a headphones horse. in, put your eye mask on. Yep, and yeah. I just lay down on the bed, and I focus on the breath for at least 20 minutes. I'll actually set an alarm for 45 minutes, Mm because if not, sometimes I will just like pass out. I'll accidentally sleep for seven hours at 1 p.m. and that screws everything (laughs) up. Um, So I I will do that, and it is like a new beginning for my afternoon, 20 Mm. minutes. Now studies show, um, the other thing he talked about in in the book was, um, we don't need, uh, we often think like, well, if I can get eight hours of sleep every night, and, and yeah, like in a perfect dream world, that's gonna work. But we have mm-hmm. commitments. We have all these other things. What well, we're really looking for are thirty to thirty-five sleep cycles a week. Mm. And sometimes that can be aided by naps. In fact, there's studies. There's studies that show uh, improved mental cognition. Uh, so improved cognitive activity, uh, more so with naps than pr- than protracted, or prolonged sleep, right? Wow. And so if you had a choice to sleep seven and a half hours and then take a half-hour nap later, that's going to be better for you than sleeping a full eight hours. That extra half-hour nap later is going to improve your cognition for the afternoon. So it's a great thing to do. Just set your alarm for 45 minutes. I focus on the breath because here's the thing. Yesterday I did it, and I couldn't fall asleep.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's okay. I still got I I got what was very close to REM sleep my mind's wandering and the brain FM is going I feel like I'm in a dream state and afterward I did feel better
1: what does your uh, what is your aura ring what did it
0: say I, I don't have the new aura ring so it doesn't track the naps yet I think oh. the new I think the new app so my, my, the ring that I have is called an aura it's a sleep tracking device um, and I think the new app version of the app will be able to track Um. Uh, napping right now it just says i'm inactive which mm-hmm. i am inactive when I'm, <laughs> when I'm, but uh, it doesn't
1: let you know like what 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 level of sleep you got to during your nap
0: no it doesn't but i think the new version of that will cool. um but I'm uh, just curious. yeah it, it does it just shows me as as inactive but i can tell you the other nice benefit i didn't expect this with the little 20 to 45 minute nap mm-hmm. is i have improved sleep at night as well. My na- my nighttime sleep is better. It's like I'm not struggling as much to stay asleep. Awesome. Not every night, but it, I see a 10% improvement. And so we're talking about making these little 1% pivots, 2% pivots, but over time, you're in a totally different place when I'm you know, just doing these small little victories, the, the salt water in the morning, the meditation naps. Another habit when, when Bex and I are in the same city, um, I make coffee for her in the morning, and we just have a quick conversation. Uh, uh, and that gives me fodder for the podcast, but it also gets my brain going for the day. Mm-hmm. It gives me like other things to write down, it gives me creative ideas for the writing that I'm working on for the next day. Um, i also do midday stretches i was teaching these to sean recently and i think i've shown you before ryan but the one that i do uh i I will set my watch for every 22 minutes and i'll just stand up here we we're here at the office now we have this new table it's a standing table we're both standing at right now but i'll just do these arm circles do 40 of these do 40 of them backwards and do 25 of these uh, elbow to elbow things and it makes me like it really loosens me up throughout the day and uh prevents me from just being stuck in one place i was talking to someone about sitting versus standing you know we have uh, uh, kelly starrat's book is uh sitting is the new smoking Mm -hmm. and that's true but also like if we're just standing like this all day Mm -hmm. like you and i are standing up straight knees locked very straight that's just as bad for us Mm -hmm. as sitting Mm -hmm. and so the best Position to work at is your next position, meaning sometimes you want to sit, sometimes you want to stand. You got Shauna who's leaning right now. You want to put your leg up sometimes like this, or you want to put your leg down. Or sometimes I'll grab the mic here. I'll do like splits like this, right? Right. And, and put myself in this position and and move around, create that movement throughout the day, so I'm not just seated there. Uh, yeah. it allows me to to be a, a newer version of myself.
1: Yeah, no, if you put your body in any position and leave it there for hours and hours, it's it's not a good thing. It's bad for you. Yes, yeah, for
0: sure. So uh, I do the midday stretches. And then one last thing that I do, it's become a new habit for me and it's working really well so far. It is not a, a fail safe, but I just say no thank you to myself. Um, like if I really want, like oh, I, I want to buy a candy bar. I'm really hungry right now i'll go for the candy bar now if, if someone else offer, offers it to me like uh yesterday bex um she had a piece of candy that she offered me a piece of candy and i said no thank you mm-hmm. but i do that to myself now as well because if someone else is offering it to me it's easier for me to say no thanks for some reason i it's harder for me to say no thanks to myself so i will literally say it out loud <laughs> i'll say no thank you that's great. And it's like this trigger for me to just say oh, I can walk away from this. I, I'm
1: giving myself permission yeah. to to walk away. Yeah, man. I know when I start compromising with my diet, that's when it starts to go downhill really quick. Like, there's a gas station next to our place that had this awesome dark chocolate. Like, I, I mean, it was just you know low carbs, tasted really good. Like one of my favorites. And then they stopped carrying that percentage. Oh yeah. And then like the next percentage up was like, you know, just a lot more sugar in there. Yes. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just do it this one time. But I'm like, nah, if I do it this one time, I'm going to do it another time. Right. So I will tell myself no thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And walk away from it. And uh, yeah, I feel a lot better about it.
0: Yeah, for whatever reason, that saying it out loud really, really helps me. Uh, The other thing I'll I'll tell you, Mary, is uh, right, the thing that has helped me out a lot instead of running from something. Have something to run toward. Like, what are you running to? Don't run from the weight that you currently have if you're trying to lose weight. Run toward a more healthy lifestyle.
1: That's such a good point, man. Because it isn't a, like someone who, let's say they're like an obese person, they're so focused on the weight. Yes. How can I lose the weight? How can I lose the weight? And the question is, is how can I live a better, healthier lifestyle? Yeah, like that's the question that we should be asking. Yes. For someone yeah. who wants to lose weight because yeah, I mean just going back to that being the worst way to to look at your health. Um,
0: yeah, your your health is so much more than a number that is displayed by a scale. Yes, or your ba- body fat percentage. Now, there are th- those are indicators just like the size of your waist is a good indicator of your health. Mm-hmm. The 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 weight on the scale can be a good indicator of your health, but it's just an indicator. It does not equal health.
1: Yeah, my my good friend uh, Josh Wagner, who is uh, I mean, you would look at him and he looks he's like uh, I don't know forty something years old, looks like he's thirty something. Yeah. Um, he is skinny. Um, very looks very healthy. Uh, just, you know, found out that he is type 1 diabetic. And it's it just goes to show, like, if he was looking at just weight, then uh, he, would, he would probably die very soon. Like, he has to look at his blood. He has to look at how he feels, so forth and so on. Um, yeah, a skinny person can still be unhealthy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, in, in, in fact, there's you know, terms for that. We call it skinny fat, right? Yeah. People who
0: are sort of like fat on the inside uh, health-wise mm-hmm. but don't display the... The outward signs of, like you and I, displayed outward signs of being unhealthy, right? Mm. But not everyone is going going to show that. I think, yeah, he's 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 a great example of that. Someone who looks like a paragon of health, mm-hmm. but but you know, may not may not be. Especially when you look inside. I mean, my mom looked healthy. She was a smoker for her whole life. That's what she died from, mm. and she looked healthy until almost until the end I so started going through chemo and radiation and stuff she yeah. looked like she was healthy and and thin and and but but there was other things going on inside mary's last question here was about how much did my lifestyle change it it changed entirely i mean because it wasn't just my lifestyle that changed it was my focus that changed my lifestyle because my focus has changed i started focusing on newer better habits i was able to create the good life out of those habits so i think if you want your lifestyle to change mary it's about what you focus on you will become what you focus on Mm. i'd love to send you a copy of our book minimalism live a meaningful life sean if you could reach out to her and send her the audio book or the book book or the ebook whichever she would prefer All right, Ryan, let's... uh, Oh yeah, we would love to hear what you all have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about new beginnings or starting over or any of the other stuff that we talked about today, including advice for any of our callers, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. It's it's my favorite part of the show because at the end of the show, um, we air our favorite comments and tips on on from our listeners. And you can also send a voice memo to podcast at minimalists.com. If you don't, don't want to call us and you just want to record it right there on your phone, you can send it over to that email address. Ryan, what time is it?
1: It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media.
0: We are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at The Minimalists. During our lightning round, this is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our
1: quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. Our first lightning round question is from Becky. How do you build self-trust to let yourself take the plunge and create a new beginning? Well, so, so if,
0: if you've lost some sort of self-trust, I, I think it's fascinating because we can lose trust in other people, but I really like Becky's question here because, man, sometimes we can't even trust ourselves, right? And sometimes ourselves are the hardest person to trust mm. because we know what's going on inside our brain and our habits and our actions don't align with the person we want to be. So my pithy answer for you, Becky, is apologizing to yourself for your past is an effective way to accept and let go. And what I mean by that is is sometimes you just have to say I'm sorry and I forgive you before you can move on. And to move on requires a certain amount of acceptance of the past. What is done is done. And to move on also you have to be willing to
1: let go of the past. Amen. My pithy answer is starting over requires forgiving yourself and moving forward in a way that aligns with your values and beliefs. And now when I say moving forward, I mean taking massive action, actions that align with your values and beliefs. So Becky, uh, it sounds like she has lost some trust for herself. So maybe her actions have not been in alignment with her values and beliefs. Mm -hmm. Now, Becky, it doesn't mean that you create this whole list of things for yourself to act on tomorrow. Um, but at least pick one thing that you really want to implement into your life. This is how I started gaining trust in myself. It started out with uh, diet. Uh, then it moved towards a workout routine and, and other habits I wanted to to incorporate into my life. I didn't do them all at once. Um, I gained trust with myself with my diet. I remember for the longest time I was pescatarian, not because, you know, for any, you know, like virtuous reason, right. I was pescatarian because when I was eating meat, like I went to burger king and got whoppers like you associated
0: meat with burger once
1: or twice a month yeah well what happened is i would i would allow myself to uh to to go to yeah go to five guys go to burger king and like just eat like crap and i would make these exceptions so again it's easier for me to fast than it is to diet so creating this rule around uh being a pescatarian I, i wasn't able to go to burger king and eat a whopper right now when i introduced meat back into my into my diet um, dude, I haven't been a Burger King once right. since I've introduced meat back into my diet. Because the, for for you, in in retrospect, the meat wasn't
0: the problem. It was the source of the meat, the factory farmed, antibiotic filled meat. But then also what it was paired with yeah Yeah.
1: the french fries and the bun and the coke and yeah Yeah. it's it was um it was a recipe for a health disaster
0: right and and there's there's a healthful way to bring meat into your life if that's what works for you and i'll be interested to talk to rich roll next week because he has a healthful way to uh to to bring vegan veganism into his life but he's not he he is not this prescriptivist he's not Part of the vegan mafia who wants to convert everyone at gunpoint so to speak Mm -hmm. um he is someone who wants to educate people and that's what we try to do and educate people in a way that says hey what is appropriate for you and i even know in my own relationship with with bex she isn't a she's basically a vegetarian but uh, isn't opposed to like trying meat from from time to time because she knows what works best with her body she's a nutritionist she's been a dietitian for over a decade she understand and she's one of the best cooks I've ever met so she can prepare meat really well too but she realizes what works well for her but I've also realized what work. I've realized for, through a lot of trial and error what works well with me mm-hmm. and and bringing meat back into my life was a way for me to to test out and and it was disgusting disgusting at first i remember i would like okay i'm gonna have two little tiny cubes of steak like this is these are my pills basically i have to down these pills really
1: quickly yeah yeah no i i uh i i I think becky you need to start with one thing that you can help build trust for yourself so if if it's diet great i mean for me well dude when i when i really started eating well i would i lost a little bit of weight and when when you lose weight you're your standards start to get higher. Mm. So it's like, you know, I lose five or 10 pounds and I look in the mirror like, oh, wow, like I can tell I've lost a little bit of weight, but then I just realized where I need to lose weight everywhere else. Yeah, And it led to this thought process where I'm like, all right, dude, like I really do need to start working out. And I've been able to build this good habit with eating. Maybe I can build this good habit with working out. And dude, it has taken me, um, man, it took me years two or three years to get into a good diet and a good workout routine. I don't think it needs to, it needs to take everyone that long. No. But but for me, it, it wasn't until five years ago when I really felt, com- or four years ago, I felt confident in my my habits when it came to diet and exercise. Yeah. And what I'll say is every time you, so you, uh, anyone who looks in the mirror and they say, I wanna put this habit, I wanna incorporate this habit into my life. And then they take these little steps, these little 1%, 2%, you know, pivots Mm -hmm. every single day. And next thing they know, oh my goodness, like I have. I've been able to put this habit into my life. Like just one habit is going to give you enough confidence to trust yourself to move on to the next habit. Yeah, and it's daunting to think, I'm going to
0: try to change everything overnight, right? And so that's why people just throw their hands up and never start. Right. And for me, that's why I talked briefly. And it's impossible to do that. Right, right.
1: Like it's, yeah, trying to change everything overnight, that is... It's impossible. So uh, there, there is a timeline between overnight and three years that <laughs> will take you to change habits.
0: Yeah, and so so because changing everything is possible overnight, people throw their hands up and they say, changing is impossible. Right. No, the change isn't impossible. It's incremental. Yeah. Ooh, that's pithy. That's good, man. <laughs> change isn't impossible. It's incremental.
1: All right, Leo writes in, when you're moving to a new career... There's always fear of losing all the things you gained from the past career. Yeah, that's something we definitely had to face, right? Totally. How do you tell yourself that it's okay to not be in your comfort zone?
0: Well, so so let me just answer that with a pithy answer real quick. And then I've should got a couple here because he kind of asked two questions, right? Or had a statement and then a question but they seem like almost two separate things for me. He talked about moving on to a new career and that fear that you that you have from, from losing what you've had in the past career. But then he also talks about like being in the comfort zone, right? And so my, my first pithy answer is, we needn't let go of everything to move on. You know, it's funny to me, Ryan, yeah. when someone says, you guys didn't get rid of anything important. Well, that's sort of the point, right? Like, in, in <laughs> fact, I brought with me all the important things from my past career. I, I developed a skill set. I had a, a talent that I was able to to cultivate over the course of of a dozen years in that career of leading people and teaching people and managing people and also running a business. I, I learned a lot, and that. Those are all things I was able to tweeze out and bring forward without bringing the baggage of of needing to meet our monthly sales goals and <laughs> deadlines and 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 uh, 3 p.m. status updates and end of day reporting. Like I didn't need to bring that baggage with me because I didn't find it valuable, but I was still able to move on without uh, without letting go of
1: of all the skills that I. Because yeah. can
0: you imagine if I said, "Well, I'm just going to leave all the skills behind that I left"? No, why you, would you do that?
1: Well, no, I think Leo his the. Fear is that you are his fear is that he is going to lose all the things from his past career, right? And, so, and, and we're here to tell Leo, like, A, yeah, you are going to lose some things from your past career your status, you're going to lose the salary, you're going to lose, you know, the job title, but you're not going to lose everything, right? There are a lot of things you can still hold on to. And and, you're exactly right, Josh.
0: And with respect to the comfort side of things. My, my other pithy
1: answer here is a life of surplus comfort isn't a life well lived. Amen, dude. That's a perfect lead into my pithy answer. Comfort is the place in which we grow and learn the least. So comfort, what that does is it makes, well, at least for me, it makes me very complacent. And, and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. But I'm at a point in my life where I I, I do want to grow. I do want to learn more. Um, I, I I love how our message has uh, has evolved over the last eight years. I look forward forward to it uh, evolving over the next eight years. Yeah. And it um, hasn't
0: it? it and if, can you imagine if we were in the same place where we were eight years ago and just tried to keep saying the the same thing? Like no, we learn from what we learn from what we've learned.
1: Right. Ooh, Sean. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good pithy one too, but yeah, no, I, I, I think that um, Leo he he can't afford to not be comfortable. So, or I'm sorry, he can't afford to be comfortable. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. That's what I was looking for. Yes. Um, you know, he, he's at a point right now where he's unhappy, but he's scared to lose everything. Uh, to lose everything he's he's built up. Well, a, Leo, you're not going to lose everything, and B. Uh, putting yourself in that discomfort zone is where you're gonna you're gonna grow and learn the most. It, it makes me think about like, I mean, that's with anything with life. Even uh, uh, working out, like that's the whole process of the muscle rebuilding. Uh, you put your muscle in this, you're tearing small fibers, you're making yourself uncomfortable, yeah, and that's so your your body can build muscle on on top of that muscle that that you've damaged
0: and you're understanding why you're making yourself uncomfortable because can you so you know the the pain that you get let's say you've worked out really really hard and you're super sore the next day ryan Mm -hmm. or two days later however long it takes um if you're really really sore you know why that discomfort is there and you feel good about it Mm -hmm. now if you woke up one day and you hadn't worked out and you felt that pain that's a whole different story. You're going to the doctor saying, "Oh my God, you wouldn't believe this terrible pain that well there's I have. A,
1: yeah, there's a difference between pain and discomfort for sure
0: well, yeah and and well and okay. yeah so so know why you're making yourself uncomfortable mm-hmm. is is a good reason to do it and and so I think about about that Jim Rohn quote who said uh, he, he said that uh, life begins at the edge of your comfort zone." mm, I love it. And so, and I think the the edge part is the important part there. We were talking about this earlier in the show, Ryan, Mm -hmm. if you go too far beyond the edge of your comfort zone, you're going to feel immense pain. It's going to be terrible. You're going to recoil and you're going to search for surplus comfort. Mm -hmm. But if you live there on the edge of your comfort zone, that is where you're going to grow. That's where you're going to learn. That's where you're going to become a new
1: version of yourself. Absolutely, man. I've got this essay by Seth. Um, It's called uncertainty is not the same thing as risk. And I was I'm really looking for a place to squeeze this into the podcast. I think this is a good place though because, you know, when Leo talks about the fear of losing all the things he's gained, um, I think that is a it's a feeling of uncertainty. Yeah, fear, fear of risk. The fear, yeah, the fear of of what is he risk? Uh, what is he risking to lose? So, um, so yeah, here it is. Often, the most important work we do doesn't bring a guaranteed specific result. Usually. The result of any given action on our part is unknown. Uncertainty implies a range of possible outcomes. But a range of results, all uncertain, does not mean you are exposing yourself to risk. It merely means you're exposing yourself to an outcome you didn't have a chance to fall in love with in advance. A simple example. The typical high school student applying to a range of colleges has very little risk Of getting in nowhere. Apply to enough schools that match what you have to offer and the odds are high indeed you'll get in somewhere. Low risk but a very high uncertainty about which college or colleges will say yes. That's not risky. That's uncertain. It takes fortitude to live with a future that's not clearly imagined but it's no reason not to apply. Another example, if you speak to 100 people, it's uncertain which 40 will be impacted by what you say, but the risk that you will resonate with no one is small indeed. The question to ask every organization, manager, artist, or yourself is, are you hesitating because you're not sure the future will match your specific vision, or is there truly a project endangering risk here? a portfolio of uncertain outcomes is very different from a large risk. So to me, it's the reason why I think this goes well with with Leo's question here is that he's not scared of what he's going to lose, he's scared of the outcome that's going to happen from from taking this new leap or taking this new this new chance. And, uh, to me like this, this essay is very comforting because what this essay says is that if you've done the work, if you've done everything you can, it's okay to be, uh, it's okay to be uncertain, uh, because you're really not risking that much as long as you've, you've put the work in. So Leo, it sounds like he's put a ton of work into his old job. So, it's he has he has the the work ethic he has you know the habits built in this old job this is something that he can totally translate to another job now does he know the outcome no but that's okay because he has been putting the work in
0: yeah yeah i dig it yeah so so leo i would uh i think maybe it's time for you to take the risk because maybe it's not a real risk at all all right we got one more question here this question is from ben How do you deal with people who project their own fear and insecurities onto you when you start a new life? I usually ignore strangers, but what about close friends and family? Well, I've got a a titillating answer for this one, but if you want to hear our, our answers to that question, you can listen to the postscript for this episode. Each week, we publish our postscript episode over at The Minimalist's Private Podcast, which shows up as a, a separate feed in the same podcast app you're using right now to listen to this episode. The Minimalist Private Podcast is just for supporters of this podcast. That's that's why it's private, right? So uh, if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement free because advertisements suck, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. In addition to our weekly postscript episodes, the Minimalist Private Podcast also includes other exclusives like our special Ask the Minimalists Anything episodes, plus unreleased recordings of all of our live events. We just put out the the DC event uh, this week. I'm looking forward to listening to that one because, well, it's the one event that I wasn't at. It was I, I was crazy, crazy sick with hand, foot, and mouth disease. And uh, so I didn't want to get anyone else sick. Plus, I literally couldn't leave my hotel bed. So Ryan and Cal Newport, uh, who you all know from Deep Work and and, uh, so good they can't ignore you. And then also um, Paul Johnson from Canyon City, who was on our Hobbies podcast. All three of them were at the DC event, but all of our past events uh, that we've put up there as well. And we're putting up a bunch of future events. They Ask The Minimalist Anything, and then also the entire back catalog of past private episodes. You can find all the details over at theminimalists.com slash support. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to
1: our lives recently. Ryan, what has added value to your life? Man, I just downloaded this album that you would not like, but I love it. It's, uh, it is, it's Ashley Monroe. Uh, it's an album called Sparrow and I knew Ashley, she's, she's done some songs with Matt Carney. Yeah. She's, it's a, she's a country singer, more like, kind of like a Dolly Parton okay. type singer, but I didn't realize that also very bluesy. Okay. And this album Sparrow is like, I love it, dude. It's like the, I don't, I'm not a country fan. Like mm-hmm. I love Johnny Cash and, and like some, some of the old country stuff. Yeah, Cash seems more, like, Western to me. It was, like, before the, the two sort of intersected, right? I mean, yeah, he kind of falls in, like, that Southern rock category, which, to me, Southern rock is kind of... Country-ish. It is, it is country-ish. Yeah. But um, there are very few country stars I I really enjoy listening to these days, and it's just because it's not my genre. Like, I, in the country stars, I do like most country fanatics don't like the country stars that i like (laughs) Mm, yeah but but uh but ashley monroe she's yeah she just got this great awesome voice um and then she just does this great job with uh the twang and the bluesy riffs and it's it's a great album
0: i've i so she did the song uh, all i need with uh with matt carney he did this acoustic video version of it and she was on there singing with him and it was yeah I, i can attest i haven't heard her music but um her, man, her voice is just unbelievable. Out of this man. world. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really great. So I've got uh, three things. We've got a movie, a thing, and an album for you here. Uh, yesterday, I went to go see A Quiet Place. It is it's it's under the horror genre, I guess you could call it, and it's slightly scary, especially for someone like Bex, who gets really scared. At, uh, she's like Ella. I mean, Ella and Bex are kind of the same person. Ella refuses to watch movies. She's almost five. She'll be five uh, in about a month, and she refu- she she thinks all movies are synonymous with scary movies. She just like Frozen. We tried to get her to watch. She's like, I can't watch it. It's too scary for me. <laughs> um, but uh, Bex is um, she she gets scared easily at movies. But it's it, there are parts that are certainly scary and they're meant to to be scary. But it's not like it's uh, so uh, John. Krasinski, yes, yeah, yeah, you know him from the office, from the and, office, and and uh, Jack Ryan and all, all these other places. But uh, very talented actor. He directed it. And oh wow, cool! It it's him and Emily Blunt and their uh, three kids, and um, that's really it. It's only the five of them in the whole movie. But the this isn't giving anything away. I won't give you any spoilers. But the premise of the movie is there is something out that is getting humans killing humans and the only way you can avoid it is to be quiet Mm -hmm. like to be Quiet all the time. You can't talk. You can't make loud noises. Which to me sounds like paradise. Um, <laughs> there's definitely a metaphor there. Yeah. Well, there are several metaphors there. Like I felt. Well, but there's also it's like hell on earth because they're the, everyone's being attacked by these these sort of like monsters, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but we'll just say monsters uh, vaguely, right? Um, and it's hell on earth but they found a way to create their own little heaven within hell Mm. so that was the metaphor that really resonated with me is like look i know there's chaos going on in your life right now you're listening to this and you're doing the dishes or you're at the gym or you're driving to work or you're in your cubicle and i know sometimes it feels like hell but you can create your own heaven within that hell. Mm. There's this own, your own corner of heaven inside a, a vast hell. But it was such a great movie. It was so well done. Bex and I left there like, "Wow, I've never seen a movie like this." It was the reason that you put it under the the horror genre or you could put under drama is because it's it's is genre defying art Mm. it it fits under all of the genres and none of them at the same time and they did such a great job with that movie so it's called a quiet place it's out in theaters right now uh the thing that i I, i'm not going to recommend but i i got value from it recently so i need to buy new sheets recently and so Uh, quite often I buy the really nice sheets because I want to make sure I've got really good sheets that are on my body because I'm sleeping there eight hours a night and you know you hear these commercials on other podcasts and 17 other presidents have slept on these sheets and I'm like well if there's presidential sweat on my sheets, I definitely want them. <laughs> but no, like you, you hear these and like you, people are spending. I've I've spent good chunks of money on good sheets. Like it makes sense to have a nice thing. But sometimes we also confuse cost with quality, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Well, I went I went over to the store, like to Target, uh, to buy some new. They have like a high end sheet that I generally get that I that I liked and and worked well for me. But like, I went to the shelf, and it was just all empty. Mm. It was completely empty. I was back to school or Valentine's Day or President's Day sale. I have no idea what it was, but they were all gone, right? Mm-hmm. All, and then the next one down, the, if those were the A+, plus, then like the A-, minus, those were all gone, too, for the queen-size beds. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Screw it. I just need something temporary right now uh, that's going to work for me because my old ones are just tattered. They're done. I went and bought the cheapest sheets from Target that I could find, yeah. which is not like me because I know they're going to be cheap quality, or at least that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. They're some of the best sheets I've ever owned in my life. Nice. And I'm like, what have I been doing this whole time? I've been overspending on these supposedly nice sheets, mm-hmm. and they've held up. I've waited several months to, to talk about these. because I'm like, oh, these are great, but are they going to hold up? I've washed them a bunch of times, and they are still great for me. Yeah. Whether or not they're great for you, I don't know. But the recommendation here isn't to buy cheap sheets from Target necessarily. It's that, hey, maybe the thing I think I'm splurging on, I don't actually have to. Maybe I'll get equivalent or even more value
1: from not splurging. Yeah, dude, you you taught me to look at reviews before I buy stuff. Yeah. And that has saved me quite a bit of, of money uh, a lot because it's like, yeah, you see option, you know, A+. Plus. Right, And uh, that is you know the best option because of all these features and you know whatever and then you look I look at the reviews and it's like you know three and a half stars for this product and then I look at the you know the substitute that's you know half as cost half as much and it's got a four and a half star review
0: yeah and you're like wait a minute like you 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 realize really quickly there's not there's sometimes a correlation between price and and the value you get but, but not necessarily. And so, yeah, check the reviews, but also check what is appropriate for you because my sheets may not be appropriate for you, you know, or my sheets wouldn't be appropriate for Ryan. He has a King size bed and I have a queen size bed. And so it really wouldn't work out there. Right. So, um, all right. Oh, one, one last thing, because you're using these new sheets now, uh, if you want a great sort of a bedroom album to listen to, uh, I, I swear to you, this is like the best love making music I have ever listened to. Yeah. Uh artist came, uh named Black came out with an album last year, but it's spelled with a six, so six L A C K. Are you familiar with him? No. He's from Atlanta. He's like a R and B guy, but sort of like the new R and B. He has an album called Free Black and it is like the best bedroom time music. Nice. But you just like like it, it makes me like and I listen to all kinds of like other like romantic music in the bedroom. I'll put Sade on or or, or Nina Simone. But like I was listening to this and it was like and Bex was too. She's like, Oh my God, this is a good album. <laughs> and so, yeah, you can, uh, you can check that out. We'll put a link to all of those in, in the show notes. If, if you're looking for those as well, where are my notes, Ryan? All right. Yeah. It's time for right here, right now. we got a lot going on in the lives of the minimalist. So let's try to, to dive into a few of these things. Speaking of my partner, Rebecca, and speaking of new beginnings uh, in next month. So just right around the corner, about a week. She is starting her next class, the 23 Day Priorities Reset in May. So it's a 23 day class, so a daily video, uh, some coaching, one on one coaching sessions with her, but then also some weekly live streams as well, plus a whole bunch of other course material. She's been a, a dietitian and a nutritionist for over a decade, and worked at a university for the last decade as well, and uh, helping people, working them through uh, setting up new beginnings on their diet, exercise, and life habits in general. So if you need some help, she has only 30 seats in in that class, so it will likely sell out. I know the other ones have as well, but if you're interested in that, you can find that over at her website. It's minimalwellness.com. Also, we have a video version of the podcast coming soon. I think that's where Ryan's wearing makeup right now. <laughs> um, but uh, you can find that you can subscribe to it as well over at youtubecom slash Minimalist. As soon as we have enough Patreon supporters, we're going to inject a video version of the podcast, so you'll be able to see this. We'll also do other video creations with that as well. Uh, next, we've got Rich Roll on the podcast the following week. TK Coleman. We're going to talk about Rich Roll. We're going to talk about food and nutrition. And then uh, with TK Coleman, we're gonna talk about schooling and education and, and careers. And uh, oh, I already mentioned this, but just uh, I've got it on the list here. I'm gonna do a Instagram live tour of my house now that I'm feeling settled in and good. It's it's not complete or perfect, but my life will never be complete or perfect. So I think now is a good, good time as ever to do this. Uh, May 11th, 9 a.m. Pacific time. The video will be up for only 24 hours on Instagram. We're at The Minimalists on Instagram. And have you checked out our side project recently? It's called Minimalism Life. You can find that over at minimalism.life. I've got a new essay going up there next month called Consumerism is the Original Virtue Signaling. (laughs) There's a lot of talk about virtue signaling these days, but I think we've been virtue signaling or maybe value signaling with a lot of the shiny objects that we purchase, mm. trying to show off and impress other people. So I've got a, a longer essay over there, but there's a bunch of other uh, writings, uh, photos, you can follow them on on Instagram as well, it's just at uh, minimalism life, a lot of beautiful photos there, curated by our friend Carl and Alberto, and uh, we contribute to that as well. But you can find the website, just www.minimalism.life. We're also working on a new documentary. So Ryan, we, We filmed a talk in a warehouse back in February, the talk we've given the last year in 50 different cities, finally captured that on video so that we could build the next documentary around that. Uh, Earlier this month, we were back in Dayton, Ohio and uh, going through sort of childhood memories, childhood homes. We were in an abandoned mall where we got to talk about consumerism, and uh, drive around a bit we've got some b-roll for that we're headed out to joshua tree next weekend to uh to do some interviews and some additional b-roll footage as well looking forward to sharing this documentary with you we don't have a release date yet but hopefully we'll have it wrapped up and be able to edit it this summer and who knows maybe we'll have it out and uh, released to the world by the end of the year it's called the minimalists less is now and uh, you can get details and updates about that on our website if you're on our email list over at minimalists.com. A bunch of new writings over at the website right now as well. There's an essay called Who Is This For? There's another essay that's uh, coming out this weekend called Too Weak to Say I'm Sorry. And um, uh, the six questions I mentioned earlier, plus a bunch of other new writings that we've been working on. If you want those to show up right there in your email inbox, along with any of the show notes that we always talk about, you can just go to the minimalists.com enter your email address at the top. We'll send you any new writings, any new updates about the new documentary, and also any new show notes for the podcast that we release. And that's all I got right now, Ryan. You got anything else for us?
1: Finally, here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners.
0: Hi, it's Chris from Barrie, Ontario, Canada. And uh, my comment is, if you guys are looking for a good news source that's unbiased, um, that isn't very full of clutter and garbage and junk, um, I would recommend a podcast called The World Next Week by the Council on Foreign Relations. And uh, it's a very non-biased, great source of just um, uh, information on what's going on in the world, and uh, I just think it's a
2: great resource, and it's very unbiased. And uh, anyways, I just wanted to leave that little tidbit behind. Hi, my name is Helen. I'm from Vista, California, and I wanted to respond to something I heard today about medals and trophies. I'm a runner and I had collected 30 years of all kinds of medals and recently just got rid of all of them. I did donate um, to Medal to Medal. That was one of the resources that was given today. But I also found that teachers were very interested in them, Um, trophies as well, because they like to give them out to kids, not necessarily for them to take home just as a, like, great job staying on task keep this on your desk for a while kind of rotating through the classroom so my teachers that I knew took a ton of them and I made several more into Christmas tree ornaments because they do still have some of those Um, and then a tip that I um, heard from somebody else for future is um, when I get a medal at another race I'm going to take a picture of it and take a picture of myself with the medal and then I'm going to give it away to somebody else. There's always families there cheering on moms or dads, so maybe a kid who would enjoy it um, so they don't accumulate anymore for me.
0: Hi guys, it's Josh here from Pasco, Washington. Really enjoy your show. Here's a quick tip for students to prevent student debt. Leverage CLEP exams, that's C-L-E-P from College Board to fill prereqs and save time and money. You should start by looking up your institution's CLEP policy in the credits transfer section. Then, go to the College Board website to buy club exams your school will accept and find a testing center. Many public libraries and even YouTube offer free study materials for the various tests. As well, if you're active duty military, you're most likely eligible for free testing through Dante's Funding. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all.
1: We'll see you next time.